0: The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Jesus went through one town and village after another, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, will only a few be saved? He said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow door, for many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able. When once the owner of the house has got up and shut the door and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door saying, Lord, open to us. Then in reply, he will say to you, I do not know where you come from. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank with you and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I do not know where you come from. Go away from me, all you evildoers. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, and you yourselves thrown out. Then people will come from east and west, from north and south, and will eat in the kingdom of God. Indeed, some are last who will be first, and some are first who will be last. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. He said to them, Go and tell that fox for me. Listen, I am casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow, and on the third day I finish my work. Yet today, tomorrow, and the next day, I must be on my way, because it is impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. The Gospel of the Lord.
1: I speak to you in the name of God, the God for whom there is no way to us but through us. Amen. God has no way to us, but through us. I want to talk about religious experience or spiritual experience. Spiritual being a way more acceptable word than religious today. Nevertheless, um, it's a very important part of each person hears... Uh, religious truth, your experience. And I'm going to suggest to you two ways to know and love God and yourself and your scriptures more deeply. They are midrash and memory. M&M, it's easy to remember. Midrash and memory. Both are spiritual practices and both require uh, a fair amount of awareness and sensitivity to your inner life, which is where you and God meet to cooperate in faithful living. Your inner life has to do with your thoughts, and I don't mean opinions. Thoughts are deeply formed uh, Perhaps it takes some time to form a thought about something that's happened. Opinions are usually based on argument. You want to push over your point of view, sometimes, not always. As an opinionated person, I know it. And feelings are different from reactions. Reactions are quick, spontaneous responses, like, I pinch you and you go, ouch. But feelings go deep and take some time to form like thoughts. And they're not the same as reactions. So your inner life is about your thoughts and feelings about whatever it is that happens to you. God is in those deep thoughts and feelings, working it out with you inside you. Your inner life is the ground of God's spirit and yours. I think it is the narrow door to which Jesus referred in the gospel. What about salvation? Well, strive to enter through the narrow door. I think that means the narrow door of your soul. You could open it a crack with your own uh, awareness And let the Spirit of God work with you in that enfleshed religious experience. It's not out there somewhere. It's in here. William James was writing to a friend before he delivered his 1901 Gifford Lectures, which later became that book that many of you probably know, Varieties of Religious Experience." And he wrote to his friend, the problem I have set for myself is a hard one. First, to defend experience against philosophy as being the real backbone of the world's religious life. Experience over philosophy. And second to make the hearer or reader believe what I myself invincibly do believe that although all the special manifestations of religion may have been absurd I mean its creeds and theories yet the life of it as a whole is mankind's most important function the life of religion Is humankind's most important function. And where does that happen? Inside you. Your responses to whatever it is happens outside. God has no way to you but through you. So Midrash and memory as a way to uh, practice this enfleshed religious experience and go through the narrow door. Midrash comes from the Hebrew word derash, which means to search out, investigate, plumb the depths of. This is not skimming. There are no easy outlines for this. You can't um, cram for it. It's a Jewish method of interpreting Scripture, and Christians could use more of it. It's what keeps Scripture and the people in it alive, Instead of gathering dust on some shelf. Now, if you want to do midrash, you have to let yourself have what I call holy imagination. You have to go in between the lines and let the scripture speak to you and you to it. Holy imagination. So here's how it works. Get into a prayerful quiet space. Breathe deeply and ask for God's Guidance. Read a story in scripture. It might be something that you're interested in, something you don't like, something you like, something you have questions about. Read it. Third is the most important. Forget every sermon you've ever heard about this text or this story. Reread it and imagine what uh, the person or people in this story might feel and think if this all were happening to them. You know, the Bible tells us, and then, hap- then this happened, then this happened, and this happened. But it doesn't. It's not a novel. It doesn't tell us, and they felt this way. Uh, that's our job, to flesh it. Put flesh on the skeletons. And then, write the story of whoever it is that's in the story that you're reading. Write the story of, let's say, Abraham. Imagine how it would be for him, thinking he's making a covenant by cutting up animals. I mean, that's weird. Yeah, I know it was a ritual back then, but that's less important, I think, in terms of religious experience than it is what was going on inside Abraham if you do a Midrash on it, write Abraham's story, put it aside for a day or so, or you'll come back, I promise. You will find out something about yourself and your sense of God in your life. So here's an example to make Midrash perhaps a little clearer. In my book, Spiritual Lemons, I write, and in both my books, I write Midrash, stories about the stories. And I wrote one about Mary the young woman with child, as we say, pregnant, probably wondering about what would be the future of her uh, child born out of wedlock. She's probably apprehensive, to say the least. So she gets a big consolation from God saying, don't worry, this kid is going to be fabulous, he's going to get into Harvard, everything else. But then my midrash is called, Whose Son Is This Anyway? As Mary realizes that God will take her son as a chosen servant, she gets angry and argues with God about whose son is this anyway. I can imagine doing that as a mother. Anyway, I learned a lot of things from this active imagination process with Mary's story. I learned that I had to work harder at letting go of my youngest son and let him grow up and be on his way, That I didn't possess him. I learned that Mary wasn't as compliant as she seemed, and neither was I. I learned that Mary could be angry at God and her scriptures, and so could I. And in time, I learned that every single child is conceived by God. No matter how they come to your life, every child is conceived by God. Now, there's a great P.S. to this little Mary Midrash story. I was with a group of Roman Catholic women in the basement of a church south of Boston. And they were in the basement working together on my book, Spiritual Lemons. And they were there saying, well, now we're reading this, but, you know, we're not telling Father So we laughed together about this, and they were having good fun with it. One woman in particular was very stressed out about the Mary story. She could not imagine Mary arguing with God about whose son Jesus was going to be. So we just talked about it a little and let it go. But after the uh, group was done, this woman came to me at the... uh, cookie and coffee time and she said with tears in her eyes she said you know you have helped me through your story of Mary know my story my daughter has just told me she wants to become a nun and I don't want God to have her so you see how the spirit works to make the connections if you allow yourself to kind of Get out of the strict uh, pages and let your holy imagination soar. So that's Midrash. It's fun. Try it. Start a group. Uh, you will learn tremendous amounts of depth about yourself and about God. Memory is the second M of M&M. The conscious practice of remembering is also a spiritual practice because it's about wholeness. And I think that absolutely everything in the Bible arises from passionate, disciplined remembering over time. So here's a little bit how it works. Something happens. It impacts you. Maybe positive, maybe negative. But it overturns your life. You may forget it for a time, especially if it's too strong, but it's in your flesh. It's velcroed into you. It's going to come back. And you'll have to pay attention to it in one way or another. And sometimes you'll talk about it, dream about it, reflect about it, talk with your friends, maybe pray about it. But always there's something of God's Spirit in this for you And in the remembering process. You don't think that Joseph would have been able to reconcile with his brothers and forgive them after having been so dismembered if he had not continued to remember the love that he had had from his father and his family and his mother as well. That was the ground through his memory. So the New Testament obviously arises from everybody's memory of Jesus. And it's collective, meaning there's lots of people's memories in there. And it's all layered up in there. That's why it can be really confusing. So somebody, let's say, remember that Jesus once called uh, Herod an old fox. Now, the reason this person remembered that is because it was uh, what he had longed to do with his boss, let's say. Or one of his authority figures. You old fox, what are you thinking about? We're out here doing the work of God and you're wanting to know about the budget, you know? (laughs) But somebody remembers that old fox. And old fox gets into a story uh, in the scripture. Uh, about uh, Jesus' ministry and his teaching and salvation. Let's say that a woman remembers one time hearing Jesus weep about Jerusalem and compare himself to a mother hen. Let's say this woman is a mother whose love is like God's, a great and helpless love. She can't control and, you know, gather her brood all the time like a mother hen and neither could Jesus. So she remembers that, and mother hen is one of the little scraps of memory that gets into this scripture. It's very, very fascinating, this process. Midrash and memory. So why would it be important for you, or me, today, well, first of all, your story is your past. And if it's not remembered consciously, it's hard for you to have solid ground in the present or plan well for the future. And more importantly, your story is your soul's journey. And who but God has accompanied you every single step of the way of that journey It doesn't matter that you're aware of it. God is your accompanist. And so you're remembering, and if you write about it, your memoir is your soul's journey. It's your offering, your Eucharist, your prayer. It's your scriptures. So Midrash and Memory, M&M, two ways to deepen your own knowledge of yourself and your relationship with God. I'd like to close with a brief prayer, and if you will, I invite you to respond, thanks be to God. So let us pray. For what was, for what is, for what will be, thanks be to God. Let's just try that one more time. For what was, for what is, for what will be, thanks be to God. Amen.